0: Welcome, everyone. Today we have Dr. Roseanne Copana hodge an integrative and pediatric mental health expert who is changing the way we view and treat children's mental health. Her work has helped thousands reverse the most challenging conditions, autism, ADHD, anxiety, Lyme, PANDAS, and more, using proven holistic therapies. She has been featured on dozens of media outlets and is author of It's Going to Be Okay, Proven Ways to improve your child's mental health. Empowering. Let's see how this spirals out. Welcome, Dr. Roseanne.
1: I'm so excited for this conversation about all things kids' mental health.
0: Right. And you're such an expert. It's so good to have you on. So let's just start with, you know, a bit of the history and some of the causes that you're seeing. And it's become a bit of an epidemic in itself these days so yeah just give us your take on what's happening
1: yeah so you know i have to start with this is my 30th year in working in mental health with kids and families uh it's something i love to do and i'm really passionate about and i'm deeply concerned <laughs> um and in january of 2020 right before the pandemic i started the global institute of children's mental health really is a platform to educate parents about there are solutions for their kids ADD, you know, focus problems, OCD, whatever is going on with your kid, there are effective science-backed solutions. And guess what? They're natural. So <laughs> that's what the that's science good. tells us. Yeah. Right. How about that? So, and I talk all about it in my book. It's going to be okay. But what's going on, right? And so first of all, I want to say to parents there, and anybody listening, there's no one thing. It is a perfect storm of things coming together at the same time time. So why are kids struggling more? Why are parents struggling Mm. more and how to manage behavior or get their kids to pay attention or have good executive functioning? What is going on? So first of all, let's talk about things from the nervous system and the brain and the body, because that's where it all starts, right? So we have Mm -hmm. chronic stress in our lives, kids and adults. And um, kids are hit with it in two ways, right? So even right out of the gestational period, when you're carrying your babies, um, stress impacts how their brain and body develops in utero not making you feel bad. I'm just saying this is a factor, right? I really believe there's a way to at least significantly improve things, if not reverse symptoms. So it's just about understanding and that you have to do deeper work. We understand that root cause. So, and then chronic stress, our kids are getting bombarded with a lot of tension and stress. Why is that happening? So uh, in general, all kids are more stressed. Kids have lost Good social skills. They're not having free play. They're not having downtime to regulate their nervous system, learn how to cope, learn all those things that really help them in life. And then academics. I mean, we're doing developmentally inappropriate academic work. And what does that mean? You know, so it means that 10 to 12 years ago, and and I'm also a certified school psychologist. I used to do a lot of neuropsych testing. Um, 10 to 12 years ago, kids, in uh, a first grader, you know, what did they do? They wrote maybe a sentence, okay? But now first graders are expected to write a paragraph or more. And that wouldn't have been expected until third grade. And you're like, well, isn't that good for us, Well, no, it's not. It's not developmentally appropriate. So when we ask our kids to constantly do developmentally inappropriate work, what does it do? Stresses their nervous system, yeah. right? Makes them feel inadequate, makes them feel stupid. Uh, you get calls about their handwriting and the quality of their work, but It's not developmentally expected work, but we're pushing our kids in these areas and we're pushing kids in academics and we're moving away from teaching them to play, teaching them to problem solve, teaching themselves to, to know themselves and like themselves. And you say, okay, well, that comes with all that other stuff. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Right. Right. And, you know, Jane and I are both the mothers of teenagers. I also have a school age child and, you know, you can even have seen it in that window of time, right. With your, with your kids. Right, Jane.
0: Oh, I was shocked by how much they were expected to do in grade one, two, three, four, five. And you know what I found more shocking was if you let your kid actually do their own work, they would Mm -hmm. get the little marks, which added even extra stress. Of course, there were parents that were at home doing their children's doing work their
1: work because it was too much and yeah. i'm like like yeah. what is going on i had parents doing their kids religious education work oh. just so they could pass and i was like do you really think it's that important you know what it's, i mean like they were so stressed good. about it and you know yeah. all that sitting right so we got away from in the in the 15 year period when i used to work in schools 20 years ago Kids had two recesses a day. Then we're down to one and sometimes they're 15 minutes. And, you know, we have to always look to research. So it's like, Doc, you know, uh, nerdy brainy stuff with Dr. Rowe. Okay. So everything I talk about has a lot of research behind it. Adding in for a kid with ADD, right? Adding in three 30 minute recesses that incorporates moderate exercises, reduces the symptoms of ADHD by 40%. Why? because they're moving their butts and they're getting endorphins in their brain. And there's just so many good things, lymphatic drainage, all this stuff is happening and it optimizes how their brain works, which means they can pay attention better and they're easy to measure. So we're, we're not doing as much physical activity. We're not doing as much social interaction. We're not doing as much creative learning. And creative learning is where your kid's um, become leaders and not followers. Right. And we're really training our kids to be soldiers and to sit down and shut up and do their work. And if you're not a kid who can sit down and, you know, do their work, you're a problem. Yeah. So we get diagnosed as a problem. Get diagnosed as a problem. You know, people would bring their kid to me and I do QEG brain maps, Jane. So people, um, I work remotely, Uh, With people all over the world, but I also work in person. And sometimes people fly in, like I have uh, multiple people flying in now that sort of COVID restrictions have lifted uh, from Europe um, and other parts of the country. But I also do brain checks with people where we do statistical averages. But these cues, give me a visual representation of exactly how the brain is functioning. So I could see which region is working or overwork, not working enough or overworking. And I also can see uh, how the brain is talking to itself. You can see the connections or the highways between different sites. It's pretty awesome. So mm-hmm. they'll come in and be like, my kid's ADD. And I'm like, no, they're not. They're totally stressed out and they can't pay attention because they're so worried all the time. And, and so it takes them down a completely different path the right path. Um, and people often get to me because they um, just like you, they they thought it was one thing and then they find really what the real root cause is, right? So when we we talk about, you know what's going on, so developmentally inappropriate you know work, not enough exercise, you know, really pushing our kids high stress, Um, And then we have a lot of genetic mutations happening with our kids and they are impacting how the brain and body works. They're impacting how you're um, utilizing nutrients. And we have nutrients that make our brain work. You can't run on Cheetos, people. Okay. And... And it's no, it doesn't give you anything Cheetos. You need fat, you need vitamins, you need protein, doesn't have any, it has fat, the wrong kind of fat. Um, And you, you have to get, you know, you have to really power up our food quality is not the same. It is absolutely impacting. Uh, how our kids are functioning in the world. And, you know, we have research, it's 10 year old research now and it's being redone, but in the States, 54.2% of kids, one in two have a physical or mental health problem. And it's not uncommon anymore. And and our kids are struggling with things like attention or physical issues, such as belly aches and eczema and sinus problems and uh, mood problems and anxiety. These are all dramatically on the rise. Um, The average age of onset for somebody with an anxiety disorder is now age six. Oh, wow. So, you know. Yeah. So lots of variables. And when we understand what these root causes are, whether it's situational factors like the wrong kind of learning environment, um, uh, problems understanding what the learning, you know, what learning needs to happen. I'll give a great example of that. Or there's actually problems in how their brain and body is functioning, how it's working. And people have to understand it's not just neurotransmitter difficulties that cause mental health issues or or learning problems. That's great marketing from pharma. So it's way more common for you to have chronic long-term stress. And please understand that stress doesn't mean you have to have something bad going on it's your body's response to your environment. so you can live in a beautiful house you can send your kid to a great school they can have great friends and your kid's nervous system can be agitated um, and produce difficulties in listening or um, your kid may fly off the handle more easily or be impulsive because their nervous system is responding to the stressors in their environment. Um, and then we have inflammation. Right, so poor food quality stress, all these things create inflammation and infectious diseases. We have a huge rise in infectious diseases, which is leading to not just mental health issues and learning challenges in kids, but adults too. Right, yeah, lots going on. That's yeah. why you got to take care of the brain and body. You really got to, you know, I talk about the eight pillars that create the foundation for mental health. And I really focus on kids, but it's the same eight pillars uh, minus one parenting. We can make that mindset for adults. Um, but there's so much we can do to really restore our cognitive functioning, our attention and um, our emotions, you know, our behavioral and emotional functioning. And parents are often so shocked, Jane, when they, when I'm like, oh, you can do this, this, and this. And they're like, well, why didn't I know about it? You know, and I was actually speaking uh, in this past week with a functional doctor who's, who's my client. And she's like, I took him to a therapist and she was like, you must put this kid on medication. And I was like, you're a functional doctor. You know, she has no training in these other areas. You and I have training in all the areas and she has only training in one. So that's what she's going to push you towards. She's like, thank you for validating that. And I was like, "You, your kid is so sensitive. You've even had a watch supplements with him he is a terrible candidate for medication. And she was like, thank you for talking me off the ledge. I was like, we're all on the ledge sometimes, you know? Right.
0: Yeah. But it does tend to be the first thing that they push because it is all they know what to do. And they
1: all know what to do. And and then on our end as parents, we, we believe, because this is all we know, that there is a magic bullet, you know, a pill, there's a pill that's going to fix it. And I'm going to tell you having 30 years of experience and everywhere from psychiatric hospitals to schools, you name it, I've probably worked there that I rarely saw it work. And in fact, most of the time, what I saw it do was create unbearable side effects. Yeah. Um, from everything from psychosis, it's very common for me to see psychosis with mm-hmm. the kids I work with and people are like, what do you mean? It's common. I'm like, it's common. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so people are so shocked by that.
0: Yeah. So you're creating a worse condition.
1: Yeah. And and parents don't they're not doing anything wrong. They're li- getting guidance from people they think they trust. What I try to say to people is first of all hone in on your instinct, right? And we should never reach for psychiatric medications as a first line of defense with anybody, but a especially a developing brain, Uh, you're going to, you know, we know what the research says about psychiatric medications. First of all, things for like ADD. So, you know, medications for ADHD, 100% of the time they have a side effect, 100% of the time. I'm sure your doctor didn't tell you that. And they'll tell you that it's minor, but you can have, and I personally have witnessed dozens of times kids having psychosis, real dramatic changes in personality, flat. I've seen people I've seen in front of my face, people have seizures from psychiatric medications. Um, And so we, we have to stop thinking these things are safe. Every single one of them has warnings on them because there is a hundred percent of the time, a toxic effect and you're not going to know. Right. Um, And so it's, it's, you need to start understanding there are other options and that, and that's what I dive into a lot. All of my work dives into it, but I literally spell it out with 40 pages of research citations in my book. It's going to be okay. But we need parents to start understanding that there are things that are, can produce dramatic results that are all 100% natural, safe, and who doesn't want that for their kids?
0: Yeah. I mean, even just letting, say, an eight-year-old boy who often get diagnosed with ADD because they can't sit still and pay attention, mm-hmm. um, just allowing them more freedom to move during the day would probably eliminate a lot of it. But
1: what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and anecdotally, Jane, what I would do back in the day, I would, you know, um, up until a few years ago, I was still doing uh, neuropsych testing and sometimes a school would hire me because they were forced to hire me. But other times, uh, usually a parent would hire me and I would go in and observe. And when I would do the observations, that's exactly what I would say. I would say, could you put in a standing desk for this kid? Is How about making three standing desks? So that any kid who wants to get up and then we can normalize it and then we can teach the other kids, hey, when your brain gets tired, you need to get your butt up and move and you'll get more attentive. Like, why don't we make the job of the teacher easier? And some teachers, most of my teachers were like, oh, my God, this is such great common sense. Some teachers were like, this is more work for me. And I'm like, but you're correcting this kid all day and you're in a negative loop you know? Um, But absolutely, let's change our environment. Let's change what we're doing to What we know about the brain, we know stimulates attention and learning, good socialization skills, and we put that in broad spectrum, you know? I tell you what, they're gonna need to start thinking about this as these kids are all really returning to school because kids have lost the structure and routine. um, And some kids are gonna come back agitated because their parents have been agitated, right? So, uh, you know, kids regulate of all ages, based on how a parent is regulating it's called co-regulation so we've got to take care of ourselves and put our own oxygen mask on for ourselves but also as a role model for our kids and then also that they're energetically whether you want to call it energetically or subconscious is picking up on all those subtle behavioral cues that when you uh show when you're stressed yeah
0: yeah when your kid comes home with the D, and
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> like, like, my kids would come home with two hours of math homework in grade yeah. three, and I was like, What? Okay, we're doing half an hour, yeah, and that's like, I that's I, it, that's it. I'm not, I'm not just for that. you,
1: Jane. People <laughs> probably are afraid to set boundaries, but I think that that's okay,
0: yeah. Like it just is common sense that no kid can do two hours of math homework after being in school all day. I'm like, no, they should be playing. They should be getting that itch. Hanging out, out
1: with other kids, doing yeah. fun stuff. You know, yeah,
0: totally. So yeah, I always questioned it. And as a naturopathic doctor and a homeopath, I see a lot of ADD and mothers worried about their kid going on, you know, the meds for it and. And I, I just say they're a, they're a young eight year old boy. They're going to want to move about, and they're not yeah. going to want to pay attention. So we just have to take a breath and, yeah, not buy into it quite. No, so much.
1: and yeah. and you know really being intentful about the type of movement they do is really a wonderful strategy. And again, there's a lot of science behind not just ADD Mm -hmm. symptoms, but anxiety and depression with movement, you know, and, you know, if we really are conscientious about it, um, our kids can do better. And of course there's homeopathy and supplements and there's, I mean, you know, I've been doing, uh, homeopathy and supplements for 30 years and and nutrition was always just part of my upbringing as a daughter of Italian imp- immigrants and you know just common sense as as adults when we eat better we notice a difference in how our brain works right so why wouldn't it be the same for your kid and there's lots of great ways to do it and um I know people it's probably the same for you Jane like people We traveled a lot pre-pandemic and people would always remark at how such phenomenal eaters my kids were. And I'm like, well, first of all, they don't have an option. Like there ain't no junk in my house. It just doesn't happen. And my kids love super, super tasty food. And I use a lot of spices and herbs and my food tastes great. Yeah. you know there's no boiled broccoli in my house you know what I mean like there's yeah. broccoli with garlic and olive oil and you know yummy stuff maybe even some herbs in there and oh yeah you know they they would literally be like what's wrong with this broccoli if you just put like you know a little salt or something on it it just wouldn't be their jam they needed to be next level right so yeah. we're, let's get into some
0: of the major solutions that you suggest but yeah. I remember I remember when mine were you know between zero and five I knew it's and seven like when they're first programmed that you're going to have to teach them to like lots of different foods you're going to have to teach them that exercise is fun yeah and to be a kid and use their imagination and like, if you don't do it at that time, it's an uphill battle after that. Because- it's an
1: uphill battle. It's not impossible. And unfortunately, Jane, when people come to me, they're often in crisis. They're often like, oh, my God, it's 11th grade. And we're, we know we won't make it in college. You know how many people come to me in 11th grade? It's not too late. Um, It's harder. Like you said, it just means like it's work. Like I had a mom today ask me how many sessions of executive functioning coaching he was going to need. And I was like, your kid is 12. He's never paid attention. You have acted as his his executive functioning part of his brain. You're not going to do this for less than, you know, six months. Like this is a process. Like you're gonna have to relearn it, and you're gonna have to relearn. So um, it's it's always possible. Just know it's more work. And you know, I have a magic wand on my desk for a reason because I pull it out on every intake and let people know that I don't have a magic wand and that it's a partnered process. So I think. And and what does that mean? It doesn't mean sometimes it's doing dramatic things like tons of people do neurofeedback with me and bio feedback and PMF, that's, that's a major undertaking. It's an easy undertaking and it's super pleasant and ridiculously effective. But a lot of times it's these small switches, just like you said, Jane, like when your kids were little, you just integrated it in and it's just so much easier, right? Like my teenager is, is an awesome eater? Like he is not, he doesn't eat junk. Um, does that mean we don't have sweets and things like that? No, of course he does, but it's just really good quality stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mine actually amazed me. They get up and make eggs on avocado and toast. Yeah, day. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Cause now yeah. they're old enough to do
1: it themselves. Do it themselves. Isn't it cool? Yeah. yeah and that's a big yeah. thing. I talk that about a lot. My kids, they couldn't even walk and they were preparing food. Like I want your kids should take ownership of their food, and um, they're way more willing to try foods when you get it. You know, get them to prepare it. You got a teenager, you you say, hey, guess what? Wednesday night is your night for meal, and you're going to be preparing it.
0: Yeah. Oh, excellent. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm just happy they do breakfast and lunch.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm just saying, if you have to start somewhere, yeah. My kids all the time, like you know. My youngest is very mature. And so he could use a stove independently. Um, So like he could use at six a gas stove independently. We were there, but by the time he was like eight or nine, he could use it without us being in the room. And he's just very, it's just, he's mature. He's like a 50 year old is what he is. It's really cool. (laughs) So he would be like, hey, I'm making lunch. I'm making soup, you know, in his, in my house, they make things from scratch. So he'd be like, you want some, this is really good. And I'd be like, are you going to put jalapenos in there? Cause he likes really spicy stuff. Yes. Okay. If you don't put seven in there, I'll eat it. Right. You know, he's like, okay. You know, so it's really cool. He's very proud of himself. And um, I love to hear him say what a good cookie is and things like that. It's great.
0: Yeah. I made mine look, we have horses and so they were responsible for bringing them in and feeding them and mucking their stalls and everything. So they got a little bit of reprieve on making dinner, but they're, you know, kids aren't perfect. We we were yeah. 14. They wanted to get the heck off the farm. They'd have nothing to do with any of that, but they, but they didn't forget it. And now they've outgrown that like there's 14 to 16. I call it the witching Years, <laughs> I don't know what's going on in those brains,
1: but if you can pop out at sixteen or so, you're going to be yes, to do it. <laughs> yeah. Boys, boys' brains really start to mature around fifteen is when they really start to mature, and so if you have ADD or developmental disorder, it will be on a delay, but but it does start to really happen. I feel like that's when all your good parenting um, really starts to integrate. Right. You know? Um, and some kids are just easier to parent. I mean, let's just be honest. It's their temperament. It's how they listen and respond. You know, some kids are more sunny in their disposition. Some kids are always a no first and it just makes it harder, you know, but it's like, don't give up. It will all come together when they're 16. Yeah. Yeah. And it does. It totally does. (laughs) So there's hope.
0: So yeah, let's talk about some of the major things that you tell parents are the most important.
1: You know, I think the first thing that I tell parents, you know, if you have a kid that's struggling and, you know, think about it, more than 50% of the U.S. of of a population has kids that are struggling. And, you know, in Europe, they see a dramatic, they're seeing a dramatic increase in mental health issues and clinical issues. It's no longer um, just most prevalent here and, and in the states, you know, what happens in the states is we live a very high stress lifestyle. Um, and people aren't as connected as they should be socially. We don't have the same time off as other countries. Um, and we do believe a pill can fix it. So prior to the pandemic, one in six, Uh, Americans is on a psychiatric medication, adults, one in six. So it's just a way of life and people aren't really trying to change their behavior. So the number one thing I say is believe. So I think that's the biggest uphill battle I have with parents is they don't believe that um, evidence-based science-backed natural approaches work. Mm. And when, as soon as you start to doubt it, oh, this supplement, how, how could magnesium and vitamin D be so important? Cause it is, <laughs> you know, those are nutrients that help power up a lot of functions in the brain and body. And if you're, you know, it's like, I have to always give an analogy of a car, right? It's like, if you have a Maserati and you're putting regular gas in your Maserati, that sucker is not going to work great. It's going to work. It's not going to work great, right? And they're like, well, if I add this and I fix this, no, you got to put the right gas in. That's the problem, right? You know, we maybe have to do some cleanup because you might've damaged some things, but then we got to put the right gas in. It's, It's that same analogy. So believing that it's possible without being on a worry train is the biggest challenge I have with parents, right? And I had a mom ask me this morning, you know, how good is this therapist how is this person going to work is this treatment going to work and i said let me tell you son the only time i don't get anybody better is one reason it's because of the parent it's because the parent doesn't believe it and doesn't do the work and and she's like yeah but <laughs> and i'm like there is no yeah but it's yeah and i will do the work so as corny as that is jean it is truly the biggest limiter in healing For anybody, whether it's yourself believing that you're going to get better. And let me tell you, you've got, I've got a kid with, with Lyme and pans. It is hard. It is hard. My kid couldn't be doing better. He's 16 and we're out on the boat a few weeks ago. And I see a Bartonella rash on his back. I thought I was going to throw up. I mean, I was like, are you kidding me? I have literally spent hundreds of thousands of dollars 14 years, like and that damn, you know, effing Bartonella thing is back on his back, you know, on his back. And I was like, hold on. He's not falling apart. I'm gonna address it. I'm gonna go back to what works, get off the damn worry train. You're gonna be okay. You know what I mean? So, and I said, that's it, you know, and and here we are, less. Five days later, back on treatment, I can already see that the Bartonella, for people who don't know what it is, Bartonella produces, it's a tick-borne infection, largely parasitic, and it's the most known uh, tick-borne infection for psychiatric issues, and it produces a uh, stretch mark, like rash, typically on the trunk of a person. So it can be, if somebody's had weight gain or loss, it can be missed. Um, and so it's just very, very, when you see it, you're like, that's part. Um, and people, kids would come to me, uh, to, you know, young adults, kids, um, and they would have a long history of psychiatric problems. And I'd say, do you have stretch marks on you? And they would say, Yes. <laughs> And I would go, okay, you've had a right, wrong diagnosis for 12 years. You have a tick-borne infection. So, and I want to say I'm hundred percent accurate every single time. So it's not that hard, but anyway, it was hard. You have to believe. So believing as corny as it is. And then my other big, huge advice is don't helicopter parent your kids. This is a worst trend I have seen in 30 years. We have to teach coping skills, people. Okay. So you are doing the greatest disservice that your kid for their entire life, you are going to give them a lifelong um, problems with managing stress, getting along with others, and you are going to limit their success. Limit their success, people. What does that mean? They are not going to make as much money, people, because ultimately in the end, what do people want? Good grades and they want their kids to have jobs that make money. And when we can't cope with stress. We are not leaders. We do not stretch ourselves to the areas, in, in all the areas. We limit what we can do. And little tweaks in how we talk to our kids to reinforce their problem solving, to teach them, to actually let them be uncomfortable, to actually let them fail is some of the best learning you could give your kid. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> take head?
0: Yes. I mean... And with what's helicoptering, I mean, oh, I've yeah. had to say to myself so many times, just zip it. Like you don't have to say it every day. Like, yeah, <laughs> let, yeah. let the kid.
1: Yeah. Come along. And it's, it's selective, right? What you yeah. Say. And we've, we've gotten to the point where we don't want our kids to feel discomfort, grief, mm. sadness, upset. We want them to experience those moments with us So when the big stuff happens, they know what the heck to do and it doesn't make them fall apart, you know? So that's some of the biggest trends. I just, kids don't have stress tolerance. And then when you don't have stress tolerance, you don't know how to handle little things or big things you know, and then we're constantly going in and life preserving them, life preserving them. And, you know, so a lot of my work is teaching those coping skills in those tweaks and how you do it. Um, It was really interesting. I I do a podcast with my friend, Dr. Dan, I go on his podcast probably once a month, right? I'm going on tomorrow. And I didn't know this, but the last time that I saw him, I I'd been on there like four times. He said, Dr. Rao, want you to know we implemented what we've been talking about for this four months. And let me tell you what happened to my kid with ADD. And I was like, what happened? I don't know this, right? He goes, it's completely changed our parenting relationship. I don't have to yell at him anymore. He doesn't feel shame about himself and he's doing his work on his own. And he asked me, asked me for help. He would have never asked me for help before. Instead it was friction, friction, friction. And he was like, All I did was make some tweaks based on what you said. And I was like, this is like amazing. I'm so glad, you know, he's like, I really have to thank you. I can't believe the difference in just subtle shifts and how I was getting him to manage his own stress problem solve on his own and stop the rescue cycle. Right. You know? And he's like, I had to let him fail. We definitely had some D's and F's and I said, I'm here to help you. I'm not going to figure it out for you. And he was pissed off the kid. And then he just was like, I can do this. I can swim. Right. And he swam and he was like doing great. And then he just feels so good about himself, the kid. You know, so, so happy to hear that. Plus I love Dr. Dan. He's one of my favorite people.
0: So, because what does helicoptering do too? it almost drives them in the opposite direction. It does
1: drive them the opposite. When we constantly rescue somebody, they, their subconscious is like, I don't have to do it for myself. Somebody always, oh, uh, I had a fight with the kid on the street and my mom went and rescued me. Oh, I don't have to work that stuff out. Somebody else is going to figure it out for me. We don't get them to think and problem solve. Like, you know, somebody some the, somebody was talking to me this week about how bright their kid is and I and I said to her, "You're a physician. It does you know, it does not matter how bright your kid is. If you can't do basic common sense things, your kid will amount will not get anywhere in life." And so a pill isn't going to fix that. You've got to do the work. You've got to do the learning. And she was like, oh, my God, thank you for saying that to me. You know, and I thought, here's a really smart person, a physician, and I'm having this conversation. There's no magic, right? And then so much of the relationship is this friction. And I'm not revealing any information. This is the same conversation I have with every single, well-meaning parent who wants their kid to be successful. Well, the real key to success is your kid to figure it out with your help, right? Not rescuing, but cueing, reinforcing it and and um, you know, your kid feeling great about themselves because if you're constantly like, you need to do this, you need to do that, it's gonna erode your relationship, your kid's gonna say, I'm not capable.
0: Yeah. And so, A, they've never actually achieved anything. They don't know what that feels like. No. B, they haven't learned how to pick themselves up when they fail, which is like a huge life skill. Huge life skill, you know? I find they learn it through sport. Like, you know, if they're not gonna learn it at school, but again, you have to let them fail. Like, you can't let them just quit.
1: Well, and a a coach is a great example, right? You know, so um, a coach really gets you, they don't do the work for you. They support you. They reinforce you, but they also say, Hey, that sucked buddy. You didn't do that. Right. You need to do that. You know? And so it's that same kind of coaching mentality, right? But instead you got parents doing their religious education homework and doing their kids' homework. So they're afraid of the ramifications, you know, kudos to you to go in and saying, Hey, we're not doing two hours of homework a night. It's not happening. I did it regularly and
0: I found it was, it just got worse in high school because they pushed five years into four, if you wanted to do upper level. And I was like, no, not doing that either. We're doing it in five years. <laughs> so, you know, you just have to be willing to let them not be.
1: Absolutely. The norm- and where are you racing them to? You know what I mean? Like, it's just so So crazy to me, you know, (laughs) like, right? And they want
0: their career figured out in grade nine or 10. I'm like, uh, I didn't know until maybe halfway through university
1: and still didn't know. Undeclared was pretty normal when we went to, to school, you know? It's like you can let people figure things out. I actually would love for, you know, like, um, some countries, you know, kids don't go to college right away, they do a year of service. I wish yeah. we did that here. The, the incessant talk of where are you going to college? Where are you going to college? is so terrible for kids because I don't believe everybody should go to college. I think there's trades. I think sometimes people need to do the military. Sometimes you need to do Peace Corps. And I just think if we had a year of service or uh, in the military or some organization, you know, health organization, whatever, that kids would then focus on service And it would give them breathing room and it gives them all a chance to mature because most kids can't handle um, the social components of college. It's a a lot because they're not they haven't been independent. They've been parent helicoptered. Um, And then people think, well, they're going to they're going to be okay. I'm just going to push them out the door in college. And and many kids, you know, 40 percent of kids um, leave or um, flunk out or transfer um, from their, from the university that they go to. Yeah. First year.
0: Right. Because a, they're going, wait, I didn't really, Want to do this? I thought maybe I did, yeah. and maybe they don't even have the skills to actually do it on their own. So no, yeah, it's no, like,
1: and then they feel so defeated, and that's really yeah. hard. You know, we do so much clinical work on that. You know, they're they're called failure to launch kids, and you know, a lot of times there's underlying issues, and parents are doing the best. Like not no criticism of parents. Like we all we think pandemic parenting. Like anybody who made it through this pandemic. Um, as a parent needs a purple heart. Like it's been hard, you know? Um, And I think also too, it's been the first time that parents really had their eyes on kids in learning environments. And even though it's not a real, their true learning environment, I think some parents for the first time really got to see, oh, the teacher was right in fifth grade that you know, my kid is a little anxious. My kid doesn't complete his work properly, you know, whatever thing. And they got to, you know, and now they don't know what to do. And, um, I would say my, my biggest tip is I've kind of said in different ways is really to look to the science as to what helps kids brains, you know, what helps them learn, what helps them, you know, deal with mood and stress. And, um, and yes, I'm a big fan of Google. Um, but I've done all the research and that's my book, it's going to be okay is about, it just lays it out for you and you can choose what works best for you. Um, and it's all explained. And, you know, we have to look at things like supplements, uh, exercise, neurofeedback, Specific types of psychotherapy. I'm not a fan of talk therapy. Most kids' brains are too activated, right? So if your brain is hyper stress activated in a sympathetic dominant state, you are. It is not physio- physiologically possible for you to process language and take action. Your brain will not allow it. So we just try to cram in talk therapy, but your frontal lobes are offline, so you're you're not able to process language in the same way. So. We need to do different types of therapies. And there's lots out there. You just have to know what to look for.
0: Right. And neurofeedback is really cool because they can see the the way they're thinking on a screen yeah. and how yes. to focus, right? And then they can
1: repeat it when they need to. Right. Um, You know, neurofeedback has been around 50 years. Most people like, oh, it's a new technology. No, tens of thousands of research studies, 3,000, over 3,000 peer reviewed. And, And what does it do? It gives reinforcement to the brain to produce a healthy combination of brainwave. And it creates lasting change in the brain. So you teach your brain how to, for example, if you're unfocused to be focused and just like building a muscle you have to do it over time. So like an average person with ADHD or average with anxiety is typically about 40 sessions. But those, the way that you rewire your brain, it stays that way. It's pretty incredible. So, you know, um, there are providers all over the world. I do it remotely because not all neurofeedback is the same. And certainly not every bit, the number one determining factor of somebody's neurofeedback is the experience of the person setting your protocols. Um, And so, um, so that's why people come to me from all over, you know, I'm super passionate and nerdy and and worked with thousands of people. So um, it's very easy for me to say, here's, here's, here are the issues. Here's what's going on in the brain. This is exactly the protocol that's going to work for you, but it's amazing. And I wish more people did it because it's so effective in resolving either clinical issues or, things that are irritating you. And and in the perfect world, I love when I work with, I have a few sort of peak performance people right now who just want to make their brain work better. Um, It's pretty amazing. It's how I uh, was able to write four books in four months. Um, In the pandemic, Like I can process information at an extraordinary rate. And clearly I was smart. Um, I got my doctorate a year early. Like I, you know, shaved off a year of my doctoral program, but not like this, this is like having it's it, what it does is it makes you have an incredible amount of neural connections. And that's what Einstein had in his brain. He had 400 times the amount of neural connections that a normal brain does and neural feedback. So sometimes people come to me for the clinical issue and then they're like, can you take me to the next level? And I'm like, Oh yeah. Like it's pretty cool stuff. So I don't change personalities and people are so afraid of neurofeedback. And I'm like, but you want to take Xanax? Like, I don't get it. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. And it really just optimizes yeah, just, what you have, that's it. Yeah. No harm.
0: Yeah. I mean, top athletes do it because it teaches them how to regulate their stress and yes and what's where they should be in the zone and how to yep. achieve that uh, like under stress and bring yeah. it back when they are stressed or you know it just it's a muscle like you say it's
1: brilliant it's a muscle there's even a college in canada that's um uh, a school for musicians it's part of their program that everybody does neurofeedback pretty cool Cause it lets you get to the higher level of consciousness. It's hard to explain. It's sort of like meditate, long-term meditators. You can get to this higher level of consciousness. It's the same thing with neurofeedback.
0: Yeah. And I think you get there quicker because you can see the result, right? Yeah. You're You're, you're you're really tapping
1: into the subconscious and most people don't realize how much the subconscious is running the show. That's why talk therapy is so slow. Talk therapy is great when your nervous system is regulated and you have an awareness of the issue, but you're literally are wasting your time when you don't have a regulated nervous system. And that's too bad because it can be such an effective tool. I always mm-hmm. say it's the lighting of the candles. That's what therapy is. You don't put the candles on first and then make your cake. So we do that all the time in mental health. Like we have to get to the bottom pieces and make the nervous system regulated.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's why I love homeopathy is it gets to the unconscious that's running the show, right? I love
1: homeopathy. I carry it with me wherever I go. Yeah.
0: Well, that's so cool. And I love cell salts. Like when you talked about magnesium, they are the toner for the nervous system. So like most kids can really benefit from Meg And
1: there's, you know, what's, what's great about homeopathy and cell salts is that, you know, again, very low risk, very safe, but yet in their, it's subtle, their subtle ways is very powerful and how it works.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just writing a book on the 12 cell salts and acute remedies. So I'll just give that a little plug because I find people can use them and, you know, and they do no harm. So it's something that is really empowering. Absolutely. So have we covered the big things? I felt like you, you know, you kind of included a lot of things. We did
1: cover a lot of big things.
0: Anything left that we've missed that's super important?
1: I mean, you know, I would just say, you know, that I always say I really emphasize belief and I just can't minimize how important that is and and really taking time um, to regulate the nervous system, whether you do breath work or yoga or prayer or meditation, you know, all you need is a minimum of 10 minutes. And everybody should incorporate that into their lives. It's like probably my biggest tip across the planet of all ages. And, you know, when you are not stressed and your kids are not stressed, and again, know that stress is, can be perceived, it can be real, it can be imagined, and it, it can be the people around your kid being stressed in the classroom, whatever's going on, we are, and you can see it so much in this pandemic, like it's pretty clear like oh yeah i can see the world hum being stressed um we've got to do our part and take care of ourselves and we have to help our kids take care of ourselves i can't say that enough um it's one of the it's the biggest missing piece out of everything across the globe right now
0: yeah i mean if in our schools instead of pushing a drug we did neurofeedback meditation deep breathing and more exercise it would probably be incredible. The change. Yeah.
1: Throw some, throw some really good nutrient dense food in there. Bam. Right. Bam.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Hunt. So we didn't even get into autism, and that's an earlier diagnosis, but maybe we should do that in another episode.
1: I'd love to talk about autism in a whole other conversation. Okay. And so yeah.
0: let's do that. And just tell everyone where they could get your book because I think that yeah. would be so helpful for so many. To yeah.
1: So my book, it's going to be okay, which I named it that because it's the first thing I tell all the parents I work with because they need to hear that because we're we're only as happy as our happiest kid, right? Um, and worry is when your kid is struggling, you're going to worry, and and uh, you know I always say it's going to be okay because there's solutions, right? And I'm known as the solution finder, so you can go to it's going to be okay You can get the book there, and you get free gifts, or you can go to Amazon and get it there. And then you can find me Dr. Roseanne, D-R-R-O-S-E-A-N-N everywhere.com, YouTube, TikTok, um, and Instagram. You can find me as Dr. Roseanne.
0: Perfect. And I'm going to put those links in the show notes. So they're easy to find. Thank you so much, Dr. Roseanne. It
1: was such a pleasure such a pleasure. I always love talking to people that are, you know, supporting people in such safe and natural ways that really work.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Just to empower, you know, we feel so out of control when we really, we have all the, all the knowledge that we need. Just look for it. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much.
1: Oh, my pleasure.
0: (laughs) And for everyone out there, don't forget. Don't give away your power to anyone else. Be the creator of your own life. Spiral up, spiral out.